Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. In this episode, Demetrius Fassas, a local food program specialist with the National Center for Appropriate Technology in Butte, Montana, and Aubrey Roth, the Montana Food to School Coordinator with Montana Team Nutrition, discuss the producers' roles and the benefits to the producers taking part in the Montana Harvest of the Month program. So we talked a little bit about why this, why Harvest of the Month has been important for students and connecting them to real food, helping them grow up healthy, helping them make um, smart decisions about what the fuel that they put into their bodies. Uh, but we haven't talked about the benefits for the local economies for the the producers that are actually growing this food so we've been talking about how harvest of the month benefits the schools uh, in opening doors to farm to school how it benefits the the students in exposing them to perhaps brand new foods and to helping um, open their palates up to, to tasting and trying trying new things and, and hopefully adopting healthier eating habits. Uh, there's also nutrition education that goes into that and uh, it connects them to their, their local food system. I, I think uh, you know, one, of, one of these awesome ways that Harvest of the Month connects the schools and the students and the teachers of their local food system is, is through the producers. You know, it's, it's, it's opened up this, this whole market in schools um, that might not have otherwise been there. Do you have any thoughts on uh, how Harvest of the Month affects producers? Yeah, so it's exciting to see how Harvest of the Month sets up this framework for sourcing local food. So the school is going to be sourcing summer squash in September for this year. Um, and so it, it gives them that opportunity to source local foods. So right off the bat, that gives producers and food businesses in Montana the opportunity to be working with schools. The second component is that since there's a calendar, it allows producers and food businesses in Montana to then know what to expect for sourcing coming up. So not only did the school buy summer squash in September to start off the harvest of the month year, but now they'll be buying more regularly because they have products that they want to source to continue participating in harvest of the month so they can have a more regular... Uh, the whole calendar is set up around products that are seasonally available and is you know reintroducing food purchasers to this idea that... Uh, you can't have a mango in February without a tremendous food system that exists to support that and, and the all of the inputs that go into making that possible. Um, you know, it's, it's reconnecting the, the food buyers with the seasonality that, um, that our locale uh, caters to. 
I mean, the the it, it, we're here at the end of September, and the most common food that I am seeing uh, gardeners and farmers alike trying to shove off onto their friends and neighbors is summer squash, zucchinis, oftentimes overgrown zucchinis, but yet that has been the, the harvest item for this month. So another component of that producer involvement with harvest of the month is really opening the door for them to actually come into schools or have students on their farms or in their food businesses to experience what exactly they do and how they grow it. So I think, again, giving that framework of, okay, so we're going to go visit this farmer who does grow zucchini um, and learn about this crop in a very tangible way is really exciting. So beyond the benefits of having more regular purchasing, um, producers have sort of an open door through Harvest of the Month to get more involved with that education piece. Yeah, we talk about um, con connecting kids to real food. Uh, that's uh, going going right to the source and being able to see uh, this food growing from the ground is, is, uh, is pretty amazing. Um, you know, I... I <laughs> I hear all kinds of absurd tales, what I would call absurd tales of kids that don't know that milk comes from anywhere but a carton at the grocery store, or don't realize that a carrot is the root of a plant, um, that don't know potatoes grow underground. Uh, you know, visiting visiting a farm and, and having an experience of seeing, seeing where the food comes from, oftentimes getting the chance to eat it fresh. Uh, is a transformative experience in, in connecting um, connecting kids back to the the soil where all all of this life springs from in the first place. It's uh, it's a really neat opportunity, and, and you know I would encourage producers that aren't engaging with young people. Uh, on their farms, if there if there are schools around that are interested, it's such a an amazing learning opportunity, and a, and a great extension of uh, any production farm to to be able to open the doors up for for education. I think the harvest of the month program also, when schools start sourcing and then promoting who they're sourcing from it gives those farmers even more opportunity to connect with other schools, parents, other individuals. A great example is um, Gardner Public School. They did, they featured crackling kamut, um, which is popped wheat essentially, in one of their taste tests and the students loved it and they also offered the taste test to teachers and other staff in the school and the, they loved it so much that they requested their grocery store in town to start carrying that item. And parents also found out about it through the newsletter and promotion that the food service was doing about Harvest of the Month. So it's really a great opportunity again for these producers and food businesses to grow their markets through the promotion of the Harvest of the Month program at these schools.
absolutely. And you know, developing a relationship with uh, in, with an institutional buyer uh, takes time, and and to work through one product at a time as as you're in the process of scaling up for an institutional market or if you if you're already selling whole to wholesale accounts um you know that that relationships are a crucial part of um making those sales happen and and building trust that that you will deliver a consistent product uh and a safe product um you know school food service staff is is they're they're serving kids they're one of their utmost concerns is, is food safety one of the one of the things that I've heard time and time again uh, is that schools buy from farmers that contact them and for farmers here in Montana um, NCAT's farm to cafeteria network maintains a, a database of schools and other institutions that are interested in local procurement uh, as well as uh, a database of producers that are interested in selling to institutional markets. And it's really easy for a producer to log on to the farmtocafeteria.ncat.org website, go on the institution database, and see which schools in their area are participating in Harvest of the Month or are interested in sourcing local food. Um, it's been it's been a really big help in um, th- that database has also been a really big help for schools that are looking for uh, bi- that are looking for producers to purchase from. Uh, I would say outside of the state of Montana, if producers are interested in scaling up for institutional markets, there is an ATRA publication by that name, Scaling Up for Institutional Markets. There's uh, some of the ATRA tip sheets, uh, tips for selling to institutional markets. There's a, an ATRA publication on direct marketing. Um, and then I think one of the ones that I've referred to the most is bringing local food to local institutions a resource guide for farm to school and farm to institution um, that's a, a, a great pub that has a lot of good information about selling to schools um, and it's it's really important in building a relationship with uh, with an institutional purchaser to understand what their standards are um, how how they do delivery, what their peak hours are, what the what the best time for delivery is, and what their what the best packaging is, um, what how much liability insurance they require you to carry. So producers have been engaging with Harvest of the Month schools in a variety of ways, um, beyond just dropping produce off at the school. Um, I've seen in 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 this I've, I saw. Producers come in and actually teach lessons during Beef Month. Um, one of the families from the valley actually donated beef for a taste test, um, and they they own a meat shop and, and process both uh, conventionally raised and, and grass-fed beef. And this producer donated samples of both, uh, came in and helped us cook it up. And then help serve this this blind taste test, um, and it was really interesting to see 
I, I started, I started asking students a question as we were, we were serving it and collecting their, their preference. Um, cause a lot of the, the families in Montana, uh, have hunting experience and hunting backgrounds. And, uh, you know, of course it wasn't a double blind taste test. I knew which was the grass finished beef and which one was the conventional beef. Um, so I started asking these kids, uh, you know, do you eat a lot of game meat? Just conversationally as they're, as they're taste testing. And I'd say that 90% of the kids that voted that the, the grass finished beef, uh, that, that preferred the grass finished beef to the grain finished beef, uh, came from big hunting families that ate a majority of their diet as, um, game meat which is kind of interesting because the, the the wild game are eating grass they're eating sage they're they're uh you know eating what they can forage on uh, around montana which is not grains for most of the state um not corn in particular which is what a lot of uh, grain finished cattle are, are fed up to wait on uh but at the end of this blind taste test the the result was almost exactly a 50-50 split. It was 49% in favor of the conventional grain finished uh, beef and then 51% in favor of the, the locally grass finished beef. Uh, prior, prior to this beef taste test, um, we'd had ranching family, a couple of different ranching families that, that had come in and uh, brought lessons into the classrooms and done farmer farmer in the classrooms, uh, really bringing the farm to the school and talking with kids about uh, how where a beef comes from from the uh, from the field to the fork, and it was a, a really awesome way to um, connect those kids to their their local ranching community I, I mean they they grow up seeing more cows than people in a lot of circumstances and uh it was a it was a really neat way to bring the um the cattle industry full circle for these for these students in ennis and out of that uh you know we ended up serving steaks at a at a fundraiser some some locally raised beef at a fundraiser that month um, we had a livestock specialist from MSU that came in and taught some of the, the higher level classes and, and really generated a lot of hype in the school which ended up changing in, in, instead of just purchasing uh, a local beef product for for one meal that month ended up switching their their purchasing patterns to buying um, a julienne beef strip to be used in uh, in stroganoff and and other recipes year round. Uh, so that that harvest had an effect not just for a single month, uh, but but changed the purchasing practice that is that's still in effect today. You can find other episodes of Atra. Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org.
That's www.attra.ncat.org.